Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Is anybody glad God gave you another shot? convinced than ever as long as we got flesh hanging on our bones we need another shot another chance there's a song we used to sing that the way the saved and sanctified and perfect folk would sing it is when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me my soul cries out hallelujah, hallelujah. thank God for saving me but those of us who are not perfect sing it a different way the way I sing it is when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me my soul cries out thank God for saving me and saving me and saving me and saving me and saving me glad he's a God of second chances third chances fourth chances are you glad he gave you another shot at it praise God praise God praise God I invite you today to join me in the book of Acts chapter 11 time ago you never know who you're preaching to and it is easy to second guess when you're judging the people before you but you never know the story I have been feeling couple of days now the direction of the Lord for this day and maybe it's for somebody in this building, maybe it's for somebody watching, maybe if it's for somebody who will hear it later on the, word, the Lord has a word for us today Acts chapter 11 verse number 1 And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were 
of the circumcision contended with him saying thou wentest into men uncircumcised and didst eat with them but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them saying I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision a certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners watch it now and it came even to me I don't know how long ago it's been it was earlier this year sometime as I was reading this story again those three words captivated me and hooked me into the story. When Peter said, it came even to me. It's almost as if Peter was as shocked as they were. As if he was saying, guys, I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard to get our minds wrapped around it. But this vision, this word, this God came even to me. I see the reason it doesn't do now what it should is because we know the post Acts 2.38 Peter. Today we're going to take a journey on the pre-Acts 2.38, Peter. I think the number one reason people give to not serve God, to not give God a chance, the number one reason above all is they say you just don't know my story. I've come to tell you today you're not the only one with the story we all have a story but this thing came into even to people like us I want to preach to you today even Peter even Peter would you lift your hands again and your voice all over this house there's a touch of glory in this room right now. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Thank you, God, for your touch. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Tell somebody beside you, even me. Even me, you may be seated. Thank you for standing.
when you begin to read the Word of God in the books and the chapters and the verses it has, you will have to admit today that there are certain chapters that have become famous. Some chapters that just seem to be more highlighted than other chapters. Of course, at the in the original, there was no division. There was no chapters and verses. And I guess just to help us out, they divided it into 66 books with chapters and verses to help us find it and discover it. But in doing that, certain chapters just seem to captivate the attention of the reader. Genesis chapter 1 is such a chapter. Acts chapter 2, at least in the world of Pentecost. Hebrews 11. John chapter 5, John chapter 3, John chapter 1. Just chapters that have become very important to us and very alive and influential to us. But today, I would have you to think about and know that, at least to me, one of the most intriguing chapters of all of the word of God, one of the most important, not just for us, but for anybody that would dare pick up this word, one of the most incredible and for some questionable chapters in the word of God comes after 400 years of silence. Matthew chapter 1 is a very compelling and amazing chapters in the Word of God. For the casual reader, it may be dull and boring to read all of the names and the generations that is linked up in the family and the lineage of Jesus Christ. But if you stop and dissect and look and study on those names. It becomes amazing to know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of all the universe, the God that would wrap himself in flesh and dwell among man, chose, decided to come from that family tree. We look at a man like Abraham. And for those that are not familiar with the real Abraham, you just know the Sunday school Abraham. It's no big deal to you. You would think, well, of course, Jesus would come from the father of many nations. But before he was that, 
Abraham was a liar. Abraham more than one time told his wife to tell people, you're my sister. So in the family tree of Jesus is a liar. You keep reading and you come to a man like Jacob. Well, of course he would be in the family tree of Jesus. I mean, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what's the big deal about Jacob? He's the man that got the birthright. He's the man that got the blessing, but he was also a thief. He was a deceiver. He was a conniver. That's why God had to change his name. From Jacob to Israel, so, so far in the family tree of Jesus, we got a liar, we got a thief, and a deceiver. You keep reading and you come to a man named Judah. Well, of course, Judah is the praiser. Of course, Jesus and praise would be linked up. What's the big deal about that? Well, just read the life of Judah. Just look at what Judah did. Judah was a man who left his brethren and walked down to a village and saw a woman that had a veil over her face. He is a married man, but he took this woman into his tent and laid with her. And it was revealed that it wasn't just a woman. It wasn't just a prostitute. This was his own daughter-in-law. Yes. And the family tree of your God is that man. It's going to get quieter if you don't know the story. You look at a, you look at a woman called Rahab. Sure, she helped the spies. Sure, she let down that scarlet thread. Sure, she helped Israel conquer the promised land. But this was a street walker. This was a prostitute. This is how she made her living was to sell her body. And yet, in the family tree of Jesus, her name is mentioned. You look at a, room, a woman in that same lineage named Ruth. Well, Ruth left her homeland and Ruth, Ruth was married to Boaz. What's the big deal about that? Ruth, the Bible said, was a Moabitish woman. Moab and God's people had never been on the same side. They was always at odds. They was always on opposite sides. They always fought with each other. Yet she is in connection with Jesus Christ. Look at David. Yeah, he's the king. He's the man after God's own heart. But he's also a man who had an affair and to further ruin his name, he decided that the woman he had the affair with, he decided to knock off her husband. So, so far in the family tree of Jesus, we got a liar, we got a thief, 
We got a man that slept with his own daughter-in-law. We got a prostitute. We got a Moabite. And we have an adulterer. I'll keep going. We got Solomon in there. Yeah, he's the wisest of all the men, but he's also a man who brought in some strange gods in the kingdom. If that's not bad enough, we don't have time to go through them all, but, but just let me throw this in. There is a man in the family tree of Jesus named Ahaz. You know what Ahaz did? Ahaz committed human sacrifice. Ahaz threw babies in the fire. So look at the family tree of Jesus. Liars, thieves, deceivers, men that slept with their daughter-in-law, prostitutes, Moabites, adulterers, murderers, backsliders, and men who committed human sacrifice. Yet, it is that lineage, it is that heritage, it is that bloodline, it is that family that Jesus Christ decided to show up in, that Jesus decided to be born in. Why? What are you saying, Brother Atkins? I'm saying Calvary's tree is greater than your family tree. It doesn't matter what's in your family tree. Jesus can still show up. It doesn't matter who's in your life. Jesus can still show up. Come on. It doesn't matter what kind of family you come from, what kind of background you have, what kind of bloodline you have. Jesus can still be born. Jesus can still show up. Jesus can still walk in the family. All of this, all of this, all of this, what we would call sin and ugliness and everything that we would be ashamed to admit, uh, Jesus said, you make sure, I'm going to put that in my book because uh, I want people to understand uh, it doesn't matter if they don't have the right last name. Come on, it doesn't matter if they don't have a Pentecostal background. Are you hearing me yet? It doesn't matter if they don't have a Pentecostal pedigree. That doesn't matter with God. All Jesus wants is an opportunity to show up. All Jesus needs is a chance to walk in. All Jesus needs is somebody to open their life so he can be born in it. I'm for one glad that Jesus didn't choose a perfect family. I couldn't relate to that. I'm glad Jesus didn't choose a perfect bloodline because I couldn't relate to that. I'm sorry to burst, bust some of y'all's bubbles that you're so perfect and high and mighty, but you're hearing one evangelist that's awful glad that Jesus chose to show up in that kind of bloodline because it lets me know if there's hope for them, there's hope for me. If there's a chance for them, there's a chance for me. If he can look beyond that, he can look beyond my past. Come on, is anybody glad he didn't see you for what you was, but he saw you for what you could be? Come on, are you glad he didn't turn you away because of where you've been, but he chose you because of where you're going? Are you glad he's a God that looks beyond the fault and the past and the lineage and the bloodline? And he says,
says, I'll save them anyways. I'll call them anyways. I'll forgive them anyways. I'll have mercy on them anyways. Come on, if you're glad, you ought to clap your hands. If I don't know if you can hear me out there. If you're glad, you ought to praise God. If you're glad, you ought to be happy. If you're glad, you ought to be excited. God can use me in spite of me. When Jesus began his ministry, the first thing he did was go and handpick 12 men to follow him, 12 men that he gave power to do greater works than him, 12 men that he trusted in and he confided in and he would leave the kingdom too. And among these 12, the first one he chooses, at least in Matthew's account, was a man named Simon Peter. It's quite interesting that the man did not start off as Simon or he did not start off as Peter He started out as Simon. Oh, God. That means the man started off with the wrong name, the wrong identity. He didn't end up as Simon, but he began as Simon. He had the wrong background, he had the wrong past. People view him as the wrong man. He was a fisherman. And fishermen, at least at that time, much like this time, was rough, vile, unkept men. You ever heard the cliche, they cursed like a sailor? That was Peter. He had an ugly mouth. He had a bad temper. See, I know you're not used to hearing this kind of Peter because he's your Acts 2.38 hero. Stay with me. We're going to get there. But see, the reason we got people who will not give God a chance is because we have somehow highlighted the perfectness of people without giving them the real story of who they really were. Peter, before he was a preacher, he was a cursor. He was a liar. He was a cheater. He was a man that did everything he could to make ends meet. Peter was full of vigor and he had a boisterous temper. In fact, If my words is not enough, I'll let Peter tell you. I'll let Peter describe himself. He can speak better than I can. Peter told Jesus when Jesus was trying to use him. Peter looked at Jesus in the book of Luke and Peter said to him, depart from me for I am a sinful man. The man even admits how sinful he is and how bad of a spirit he has. It's amazing that when Peter was fishing in the Sea of Galilee before following Jesus, he was fearless. 
He was courageous to face down the storms. But when he was a follower of Jesus, on the same sea, facing the same wind and the same storm, it was him that told Jesus, don't you care that we perish? More confidence in what he can do than what Jesus can do. More faith in his own ability than God's ability. That's Peter for you. That's, that's Simon for you. I can face the wind by myself. I can face the storm by myself. I don't need nobody's help. I can do this alone. But now that he's a follower of Jesus, now that he's a fisher of men, he tells God, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you care. I don't think there's a way out of this. What a difference between Simon and Peter. Jesus, one day, he knew, he knew that his final destination was at hand and what he came to do was about to happen. And so Jesus, as he had done many times before, got three people to follow him. James, John, and Peter. said, guys, we're going to go up to the mountain. We're going to pray for a while. Jesus leaves Peter at a certain spot. The Bible said that Jesus went further and began to pray. And when Jesus came back, Peter had his head laid down on the ground and he was snoozing away. When Jesus needed his support the most, he was too busy feeding flesh. Jesus said, what? Can you, not, can you not pray with me for one hour? Can you not help me when I need you the most? So he goes, does Jesus and prays again and comes back and Peter is still sleeping. Peter, I was there when you needed me. I was there to change your life. I was there to help you out in your, in your toughest need. I was there to heal your mother-in-law. But when I need you the most, when I need your support, when I need you to lift me up, you're too busy gratifying flesh. So Jesus says, you just sleep on. He was, he was the man that was on the boat when the wind began to blow and the rain began to fall and the storm began to brew and the, the, the boat began to rock, it was, it was Simon that looked out. It was Peter that looked out on the sea and saw a figure and dared to yell out, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Jesus said, leave the boat and come. And the Bible said that Peter walked on the water. The only disciple to do so. That's how much Jesus loved Peter. That's how much power he gave Peter. The man's walking on the water. But when he gets in the presence of Jesus, he takes his eyes off of him and he looks at the wind and the rain and the storm. Peter, how can you doubt a God that gave you power to walk on the water? 
How can you think the storm's going to kill you when he gave you power to walk on it? Come on, how can you think this water is going to kill you when he gave you power to walk on it? For that brief moment, he stopped being Peter and he became Simon again. Can you see it? Can you see it in the upper room? Can you, can you, can you eavesdrop in on the conversation? When Jesus is trying his best to explain to his followers what's about to happen to him, Guys, I didn't come to just open blinded eyes. I didn't come to just unstop deaf ears. I didn't come to just raise the dead. I came with a tree in my future. I came with a cross in my future. He said, some of you are going to walk out. Some of you are going to deny me. And that boisterous, confident in himself, Peter, stood to his feet, defying the word of God to say, I'll never leave you. I'll always be here. God, you've done too much for me. You changed my life. You saved me from a world of sin. You turned my life around. You healed my body. You, you made a way out of no way. You answered my prayer. You blessed me. You helped me. There's no way I'll turn my back on you. Jesus steps back and says, before the cock crows, you won't just deny me once or twice, but you'll deny me three times. No, 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 not me, God, not me. You've done too much for me. Not only did you change my walk and change my life, you changed my talk. I don't talk like I used to. I don't, I don't cuss like I used to. I don't think like I used to. Everything about me is different. I won't dare walk out on you, Jesus. Again, confident in what he could do. They take Jesus. Judas's 30 pieces of silver lighter because they sell Jesus. They all scatter out of fear and worry. A few minutes later, Peter is walking by himself and there's a crowd of, of men and women that begin to yell and point, hey, 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 I know that man. I've saw that man walk with Jesus. I've saw that man walk on the water. He's a disciple of Jesus. Peter looks back and says, no, no, not me. You've got me mistaken for somebody else. No, you've got the wrong man. Just a little while later, he thought he had escaped it and another crowd of people began to yell and point, hey, 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 he was the man. He was the man that broke bread with Jesus. He was the man. He was the man that his mother-in-law was sick and he asked Jesus to come. He's a follower. He's, he's a disciple of Jesus. And again, Peter looks at them and says, no, no, it's not me. You've got me mistaken. No, no, I've never, I've never known the man. not get too quickly on the Acts 2.38 without seeing his life beforehand. 
a little while later, he, he thought he had escaped the, the accusations. He, he thought he had escaped the, he thought he had escaped it all, and there's another crowd pointing their fingers, running after him, yelling, Take him! That's a disciple of Jesus. That's a follower of Jesus. And for the third time, come on, everything that Jesus did for him, every way that he made, every prayer he answered, every door he opened, everything Jesus did for him, for the third time, Peter says, I've never met the man. Somewhere in the stillness of the night, somewhere in the background of that village, the cock begins to crow. Do you know what? You know what happened? Stay with me now. I'm about to shock every one of you. You know what happened after the third time he denied? The Bible said he cursed. Wait a minute. That's what he used to do. Now, maybe Brother Gill, maybe you guys, maybe Medora has a has a different definition for this. But all of my life, what I've been told is when you come to God and then you leave God, I've been told that's a backslider. So Peter was a cursor. Then he came to Jesus. He denied him and he went back to cursing. When was the last time you heard somebody say, your Acts 2.38 Peter was a backslider? Some of you looking like, well, I just don't really know about that. <laughs> That's your problem. That's the church's problem. We don't know how to treat backsliders. You know what the church says? Well, if they wanted it, they would have never left. I'll get you where it hurts. You know what the church says? Well, they know where I'm at. I don't have to go invite them. They know where we are. If they wanted to come to church, they'd come to church. We're so busy on knocking the doors of denominal world people that we completely ignore prodigals. So when somebody like me shows you through the word of God which you cannot deny that your Acts 2.38 Peter was a backslider, you say, I ain't so sure about that. That's because you don't know how to treat backsliders. They leave us and so we leave them. I'll tell you, there's no doubt in my mind. You can take it as a word of prophecy. The greatest end time revival is going to be one of prodigals, but it will not happen until the church gets their act together of how to treat them. See, Jesus treats them a whole lot different than we treat them. In 
In fact, the Bible even says Peter goes back fishing. Not only does he talk like he used to, he lives the life he used to live. Yeah, your Acts 2.38 hero is an absolute backslider and you cannot deny it. He is a backslider. You know what the disciples do? You know what the friends do? You know what the family does? What we do. Oh well, that's the way he wants it. But Jesus has a whole different take on how the backslider should be treated. Pastor, get ready to read for me, please. I want you to see how Jesus feels about the backslider. About the one, even the one that Jesus said, You're gonna, you will deny me. Judas isn't the only cat who's going to walk out on me. You will too, Peter. He admitted it. He said it without doubt, without hesitation, without reservation, without question. You will walk out on me. You will deny me. I take it now to resurrection morning when Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene is going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus with spices. I want you to see very closely what Jesus says about the backslider. Read for me, please. Yes. Yes. Going to come and anoint the body of Jesus. Yeah. They came to the tomb. At the rising of the sun. The sun is rising. And they said among themselves. And they had a conversation with each other. Who shall roll us away the stone? Who, who is going to roll away the stone? And when they looked, they saw that the stone. But when they got there, they saw that the stone was rolled away. It was great. Watch it now. And entering into the sepulchre, and they went into the tomb. They saw a young man. They saw a young man on the right side, sitting on the right side, clothed, clothed in, a in a long white garment. And they were afraid. They were afraid. And he said unto them, and the man said, "Watch it now." The man said, "Be not afraid. Don't be afraid." You're looking for Jesus that was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where he was laying. You know, family may have given up on Peter. Friends may have given up on Peter. Disciples may have given up on Peter. That 5,000 that he fed with bread and that 4,000 that he fed with bread may have given up on Peter. But let me tell you what Jesus said. Go your way. Tell his disciples. Tell his disciples. And Peter. And Peter. Right. 
He didn't say to the disciples, but ignore Peter. You ain't here. You didn't get it. He didn't say to the disciples, but don't worry with Peter. He said, I got to make sure that you understand Peter is still a disciple. I want you to make sure that Peter understands I still love him. I still want him. He's still my boy. He's still my follower. He's still my preacher. He's still my man. Oh, you know why God would single Peter out? Because Peter felt like an absolute failure. He felt like a nothing and a nobody. Come on. He felt like nobody loved him. Nobody wanted him. He felt like everybody washed his hands of him. They may have. But Jesus said, you make sure you let him know I still want him. You make sure you let him know I still love him. You make sure you let him know I'm not giving up on him yet. Now, personally, I believe that Jesus knows the end from the beginning. I think he knows it all beforehand. I think he knew what Peter was going to do the very day he chose him. Watch it. Jesus knew. He knew. He knew Peter would deny him. He even said, you'll deny me more than once. He knew it going into it. But did you ever stop to think that before that conversation ever happened, even though Jesus knew Peter would be the one to deny, did you ever stop to think Jesus knew exactly what Peter would do, but Jesus still got some keys out of his pocket. God have mercy. And gave them to Peter. And he said, you have the keys to the kingdom. Oh yeah, you'll deny me. Yeah, you'll give up on me. Yeah, you'll walk away from me. But just remember, you got some keys. You know why Jesus would give them keys? Because Jesus knew you may give up on me, but I ain't going to give up on you. You may walk out on me, but I ain't going to walk out on you. You may turn your back on me, but I ain't going to turn my back on you. Imagine every step Peter took after the denial. There was that sound of rattling keys. What am I going to do with these keys now? Surely Jesus can't use me now. What am I going to do with these keys now? Surely, surely he'll choose somebody else. Go tell the disciples. 
and Peter. Because the man still has the keys. The man still has the message. The man still has the word. Come on. And because there was a God who did not give up, now we get to Acts 2.38. And Peter took keys out of his pocket and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do you know, Peter? Because there's a promise unto you and your children. And it came even to me. Your keyboard player, please. So, so I've I've got to believe that Peter has never got over it. Peter, come on, Peter has never got past the thought that God still used me. Even though I denied even knowing him. Peter kept using those keys. And in Acts 11, he got those keys out again and began to preach to people uncircumcised. Because see, you never know people's story. But when you have one of yourself, you won't leave the uncircumcised alone to go to hell. Peter said, this thing is not just for circumcised. It's not just for Jerusalem. It's for the uttermost parts of the earth. This thing is for everybody. Respond with more conviction than that. This thing is for everybody. But you see, all the saved and the perfect people didn't like what Peter was doing, and so they began to contend with him. Who do you think you are? Don't you remember where you've been? What you've done? How you denied? That's where I can see Peter saying. Yes, I remember I denied him, I cursed him, I doubted him, I walked away from him, but guys, let me explain something to you. I was in the city of Joppa, and I was praying, and the God I walked out on, the God I denied, God that I said you can't save me I've done too much wrong you can't use me I've been too far you don't know my story God I'm I'm not I'm not savable that God came even to a denier like me even to a rejecter like me even to a backslider like me, guys, 
I don't have it all figured out. All I know is even Peter can be saved. All I know is even Peter can be helped too. something I think Pentecost has done an injustice to, to, to the people who need to be restored come on we we want to we want to bark and preach and cry out what all is apostolic and we want to say holiness is apostolic and praise is apostolic and revival is apostolic let me tell you something restoration is just as apostolic as all the other stuff is Come on, the God I preach is still a restorer, is still a rewarder of them that seek him. Somebody like Peter can still be saved. What's your story? You can tell me till you're blue in the face. Brother Atkins, you just don't know my story. And I'll look back at you and say, you don't know my story either. The difference is, I refuse to let my story define my future. I choose to let a God who knows where I've been, who knows what I went through, but chose to die for me anyways. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. I choose to let him be the finisher of my faith. Come on, pray right now, everybody in this building. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know what story you can tell. There's restoration in this place right now. There's a God of second chances in this building today. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Thank you.